You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. The, the covenant promise, the pro- covenant promise came through Sarah that you thought that you could fulfill, bring and get fulfillment in your life through the work of the law. Now, what's the work of the law for us today? The work of the law is our own flesh. See, when we look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, no matter which one it is, and today we'll talk about peace, but if you try to work out peace in your own way, maybe you try to bring peace by by muting some pain. Maybe some of you dig into alcohol, you dig into shopping therapy, or you dig into relationships. What is it going to produce? It will not produce peace in life. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying this, that if you come to the promise of God, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, then you must go to the Spirit to find the fulfillment of the promise. You cannot go to your flesh. So the first thing that I want you to understand and I want you to receive is this. That is tremendously good news. Because you don't have to try to make it happen. What you have to do is trust and obey. There's no better way than to trust in Jesus all of your days. Trust and obey. Say, God, I receive your word. Even though I can't bring peace into my life. And friends, listen, I know you know part of my story and some of your stories are like mine or or even bigger than mine. And you know what it is to wrestle with peace and to say, I want peace and I'll try to find peace at any cost because not having peace robs me of so many things. The truth is, I can't make my peace come to me. I have to go to the Holy Spirit and let Him do that. And I have to continue in the Holy Spirit. And I have to continue standing on the Word and letting the Word work inside of me. This is what's called tilling the soil of our heart. So I want to talk about these two areas of peace with you this morning. Let's talk about peace in me. How do I have peace in me? And a lot of this is going to be practical But just like anything else, what you put into practice today greatly affects how you do in the day of a trial. I just read a great, listened to a great book by Greg Laurie, who is over Harvest Crusade. I don't know if you know who Greg Laurie is, how many of you know? But he wrote a book about the Jesus Revolution. And he was there in the 70s, early 70s, when it was hitting a crescendo in Southern California, and he was um, brought to Jesus on his high school, and he was steeped in drugs and a terrible childhood. And he was brought to Jesus on his high school by a guy named Lonnie Frisbee. I've talked about him before. He was, God used him in spite of himself in this beautiful movement. He was 17 years old, and he started to walk with the Lord, and he was mentored by a guy named Chuck Smith, who was over Calvary Chapel in Southern California, and he just gave himself to the Word over and over again. In 2014, he had the the deepest tragedy of his life that ever struck him. He had two boys, and his oldest son, who had been wayward with Christ, had recently come back to Jesus, got married, had had a, a beautiful little girl. His wife was pregnant. And on one day in 2014, his son died in a car accident. And Greg Laurie in this book tells this story, and it stung me in the depths of my soul. 
And he says, everything against me crushed me. Not only was it just the, 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 the desperate, just overpowering anguish that he was feeling from the death of his son, but people were writing blogs and trying to uh, attribute it to something he said and were being spiteful and mean in the midst of this. And he would read this and it would just put another dagger in his soul. And he was perplexed. And the only thing he said was this, is that I knew that I could not lose my faith. Even though everything was pushing against me to lose my faith, I did not lose my faith. And the only reason why I did not lose my faith is because all those years ago, when I gave my life to Jesus at 17, I sat under the Word, and I submitted myself to the Word, and I submitted myself to the Holy Spirit, and I developed a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and just like muscle memory, it kicked back in, and I started to do what I knew to do, even in spite of my pain. And God began to heal my heart. And this is what I want to tell you today, is that these things we're going to talk about, if you're in a place of desperation and peace, you've got to start doing them today. They may not work immediately, but they will work. Why? Because God's word will not return void. And so if there's absolute calm in your world and you're like, things are good. Matter of fact, I don't even want to think about this because I don't want anything bad to happen. That's dumb, by the way. But put these things in your life and get them in your practice so that when the storms come, you're going to be, I'm okay. It is well with my soul. All right, Colossians 3, 15. It's actually, do you have it through 17? Okay, good. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Now let's jump into one more, one more passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your, your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Whatever you have learned and received and heard from seen from me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. All right. So, even though we just read a bunch of scripture, I want to pack these in just some bite-sized nuggets of things we need to do, we need to stand on, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do to begin to see peace in us. So the first thing is this that we read from these scriptures is that we have to let peace Keyword rule in us. And here's what that means. It's what I've said earlier. I'm going to say it again. Is that we have to surrender to the truth of what God's word says about peace. We have to surrender to peace. 
We have to surrender to peace. Why? Because if you're not in a place of peace, something has got you hijacked. Something is dictating your thought life. Something is dictating your, your stress levels, your anxiety levels, maybe your blood pressure levels. Something is stealing your sleep. You're being hijacked. And the first thing that you have to do is stop and say, no, I am not going to be ruled by that. I am going to be ruled by peace. God, I am going to be ruled by your peace. You have authority in me. I'm giving you permission to rule in me with your peace. You have to surrender to that. I know that sounds like a very simplified thing. And you say, well, how do you do that? Well, it starts with your confession. It starts with opening your mouth and making that prayer and making that your heart's cry to the Lord and say, God, I want you to rule in me with your peace. I want that peace to be alive in me. I don't want to be held captive to anything else. I want to be held captive to your word and to your truth of your peace in me. I surrender to that. The next thing that we read here is this, is that in the spite of maybe the lack of our peace internally, we need to be thankful people. We need to be thankful people. We need to create an attitude of thankfulness. This goes such a long way in creating peace. Why? Well, because we spend a lot of time thinking about all the things that are wrong, don't we? When you're absent of peace, you spend a majority of things of your time thinking about things that are not going right, that are stressing you out, that you can't figure out. You get concerned about tomorrow. You get concerned about all these things. But one of the keys to finding our peace inside of us and anchoring ourselves to this truth is by becoming a thankful person. So that means that we have to change and we have to begin to think on the good things that God has done in us. Now, if you have trouble doing this, here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to either use your phone or a notebook or whatever your preferred way of keeping some kind of journal. And I want you to write down every good thing that you can think of for a week that God has done for you that you can be thankful for. And you can start off small. God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for my spouse. Hey, I thank you that I have a house to live in. And what will happen is that as you create an attitude of thankfulness, it will begin to grow inside of you. And what you will notice is this, is that an attitude of thankfulness will fill up your heart and your mind and keep you from thinking about all the things that are going wrong. Amen? If you still need help with that, go to the Word. Read the book of Psalms. Trust me, when you read Psalms, what you walk away with is a thankful heart and dig into those. Read one Psalm a day. And highlight all the things as the authors of Psalms put in there that they were thankful of God. Thank you that your mercies are renewed. Thank you for the new day. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your provision. And fill your heart up with that. Be thankful people. The next thing is this, is that we have to fill up on the Word of God. Admonishing each other in all wisdom teaching and admonishing, that we have to fill up on the Word of God. If you're in a place where you need peace in your life, there's a a few things that you need to add and a few things that you need to take out. You need to take out wrong thinking. It's amazing. Listen, let's let's just have a personal conversation right now. It's just me and you. Not the person next to you, just me and you. When you are going through Friend, talking to just one of you right now at a time. 
when you are going through a time and a place where you are absent of peace, don't put yourself in your own thoughts and stay locked into your own thoughts. Don't get on Google. That's Google. Don't get on Google and Google, what's wrong with me? Satan occupies the first five pages of Google on every search. I promise you, okay? Oh, y'all laugh a little bit, please. Listen, and so what, what we do is this, is we fill ourselves up sometimes when we're going through a problem or a place where we're missing peace, no matter what it is, is that we'll fill ourselves up on just opinions and things that are not rooted in any kind of spiritual truth. And we get all this input. Maybe we talk to friends and we listen to what people are saying. And we go, oh, hey, listen, what? Oh, you walk through this and, and they're telling you something. And you're kind of going, oh, okay, but there's nothing really in that. And it makes you scratch your head. But you, you spent an hour on the phone with somebody talking about nothing. See, God's really firm when he says this. And it's for a reason is that you have to fill yourself up on the word. You have to digest the Word of God. Get full on the Word. Be around people who are in the Word. If you are a Christian, be in the Word. Be in the Word. You cannot have faith if you are not in the Word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Oh, come on. And so, so often what happens is that we will take, a, we'll read blogs and we'll read opinions and we'll read Facebook and we'll ask people on Facebook, we'll do all these things, but we don't ever go to the Word. We don't ever hear what the Word says. And we have to be in the Word. Fill up on the Word. The next is praise. We have to be people who, who praise. Praise is, is equal to prayer in, in our spiritual disciplines that God asks us to do, and they have so much benefit in us. And actually, when you look in the Old Testament, prayer and praise are intertwined. Okay? But here I want you to notice two things. In both of these passages that we read, here's what we see concerning praise. Colossians tells us this, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What happens when we praise? The first thing that happens when we praise is that we're taking control over what comes out of our mouth. Now, I'm going to tell you a little guilty pleasure I have about praise. If I get into a bad spot, right, I'm going to go, my preferable app of choice for music is Google Music. I know what I just said about Google, y'all, but Google Music is holy. All right? I go to Google Music. Uh, if any of y'all shame me on this, I'm going to kick you, all right? Uh, not, I mean, any of the younger guys, okay? And you'll, any of you other folks, I'll hug you. Um, I go to, how many of you remember Ron Cannoli? Anybody? Lift him up. Boop, boop. <laughs> all right, if you don't, Google it. It's awesome. And I will get down on some Ron Cannoli. I tell some people that, and they just look at me like, dude, really? Here's my point. Find something that you can praise to and begin to praise. 
Begin to praise. Find something. See, and this is the power of praise, and this is the power of praise on Sunday morning. While we can never take this time for granted, don't take your personal time for granted and praise. Put it as a part of your daily discipline to turn something on that speaks to you because God will speak through a song. He's ordained that song. He's anointed that song, I could even say, and he's put that for a time, and that will get in you. You'll begin to sing it, and the word will get in you, and then comes out of your mouth is a confession to the word and you're beginning to sing praises God and it begins to reshape who you are. See, there's not an accident that this is repeated in these scriptures, the importance of it concerning our peace. Can I say this? If you're lacking peace, don't listen to country music. <laughs> Why? You just lost everything all over again. All right, just laugh a little bit. Everybody get happy, all right? You can listen to country music. I'm just, that was a joke. All right. Last one. This is a big one. I saved this one for last here. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on your thought life. Your thought life. See, there's a very important scripture that is, is, is very much a foundational scripture in my life. I know to many of you here at Freedom Christian Fellowship. Casting all your cares on the Lord. Casting all your cares on the Lord. You know, I uh, don't think my Uncle Barry's here today. But my Uncle Barry is a fisherman. He's Kim's uncle. He's a very soft-spoken, gentle man. I love this guy. And he's taken me fishing a couple times. I hate fishing because I don't catch by myself. It's just called casting for me. And so my Uncle Barry knows where to go, and he knows what to put on the hook. And he throws it out there, and he throws out a little piece of mullet or some kind of a thing. And when he throws it out, you know what he's expecting to get? He's not expecting to get his mullet back. He's expecting to get a redfish back. And I would say most of the time he gets a redfish back because he knows where to cast He knows where to go. See, when we talk about casting our cares on the Lord, this is what we're doing. And it's this exchange. And I I hope that gave you enough imagery in your your mind to see this principle in effect. Is that when God asks you to cast your cares, it's, it's you releasing and getting rid of them. And saying, God, I'm not throwing them amiss. Because if you just say, no, I'm not thinking about these things. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm casting on the Lord. Guess what? Those things are going to come right back to you. They're going to come right back to you. Some of you think I'm talking out of the side of my head right now. Trust me. If you don't believe me, try it. You have to cast it in a place where you know there's a return. God, I'm not taking this anxiety because you promised in your word that you would guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I'm going to pull it back in. I'm getting rid of my anxiety and I'm pulling up a promise. I'm getting rid of this thought and I'm pulling up a future and a hope. I'm getting rid of a thought about fear of tomorrow and I'm pulling up maybe a prophetic word that was spoken to me that speaks about a future and a hope. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Side note, this is the importance of the prophetic gift. Because sometimes when the enemy comes against you concerning your future, 
And he tries to lie to you about the end of your life or something that's going to happen to you that's going to be painful or hard or the future with your children. you got to lean into the things he has promised. And you got to put your feet on those things and say, that is what I am pulling back. I'm casting off this and I'm pulling in this. We have to pull in good Thoughts, happy thoughts, thoughts that are filled with future, the word in life. All right, let's go one step further and talk about creating an atmosphere of peace, all right? I've talked about this. Sometimes these areas, you go, well, look, that's good, but you don't know how crazy, Pastor, you don't know how crazy my work environment is. You don't know how crazy my home is. Maybe I don't. But I know that God gives a promise that you can begin to create an atmosphere of peace. I really want you to please listen and let the Holy Spirit speak to you in this. If you find yourself in this situation, I want you to begin to to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me through your word. Okay? Go to James 3. We're going to start in verse 13. And read down to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For for where jealousy, jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I want you to hear that last little part there. A harvest of righteousness is sown by those who make peace. That's a promise. But to get to the promise, several things have to happen. The promise is that if you choose to listen to the Word and live according to the Word and let the Holy Spirit birth the Word in you, you, God will begin to create peace around you. You will be used to change the atmosphere of peace. That's the promise. But here's what has to happen. Number one, it starts with our walk. It starts with our walk. It says, by His good conduct, let Him show His works in the meekness of wisdom. And here's what this means, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a bit of a troublesome little phrase here. Because it means that our conducts must display the gentleness of the wisdom of God. And what has to happen in this is that we have to begin to humble ourselves before the Lord. And say, God, if we're in the middle of a situation where there is a lack of peace or an environment of chaos or chaoticness, that we're going to begin to walk differently. We're not going to be um, just simply moved by the effects of what's taking place around us, but we're going to begin to move differently. And the way God does this in our life is that He begins to root us to the truth that He is able to, but it starts with humility. It starts with humility. In a lot of our our hearts and our minds, this confronts some of our natural thinking. Those of you who are bosses or in management positions in your company, 
If your company is lacking this order of peace, or parents in your home, if your, if your home is lacking this place of peace, it starts with you. It starts with your decision to walk differently. To say, God, I'm going to humble myself and begin to walk under the gentleness of your wisdom. See, there's a difference, and let me just, let me just, just show you a little bit. It's going to look really goofy, <laughs> but... But here, here's sometimes how we all, we walk around when we think that we know it all, right? We're just kind of like, yeah, I'm the man, right? I'm about to pop this shirt open. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you get hit by a button, forgive me. You know, I'm the man. Look out for me, right? Serve me. I know it. I'm the guy with the answers. And sometimes we hit that by default. Sometimes because of our gift mix and other little things, or maybe uh, roles and responsibilities, job descriptions, we kind of get into that because it's an expectation. But it's a wrong expectation or a manipulation of your gift. And sometimes we think because maybe we possess leadership in our, in our gift mix or we possess leadership in our job description that we begin to take the responsibility and say, if it's going to get done, it's going to get done by me or everything passes through me. And this is what this passage talks about. I would really like it to say something different, but it doesn't. And it says this, if you are a son or daughter of God, no matter what you are, where you are, and you are trying to bring peace, what you have to do is this, is you just have to walk normally and gently and submit yourself to the wisdom of God and honor God. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. And the process for this is obedience. And when we choose to be obedient, be obedient to God's wisdom, what He does is He will inevitably prune some things off of us. He will prune wrong thinking. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, oh, man. I have been in this spot more times than I can count. There are days, literally... I am overwhelmingly humbled by God's, the fact that God makes me part of the team. Because I think about the days like I, that I think that I got it figured out. And I step into Andy's wisdom. And I realize, man, did I screw it up. And God says, yeah, you really did. But here's the good news. I still love you. Come back in and let me prune some things off. Choose to be obedient, Andy. Humble yourself. Repent. Be obedient. I'll prune it off, and then I will grow you in the areas you need to be grown. And so parents, this is what I want to say. If you find this condition existing in your home where there's a lack of peace, and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to change the way I walk differently. I'm going to walk differently. Understand this, that your kids will respond more to the act of repentance and forgiveness and you standing up as a parent and say, listen, I've, I've led you wrong for some time or I've acted wrong for a while and I'm going to change respond to that and they'll grow from that more than they will if you just hold the pattern that you're holding. Number two, we have to cut out the fat. Let's go keto. Nobody? All right. Whew. I'm not batting really well at the jokes today. All right. <laughs> Cut out the fat. The scripture gives us a couple of things that we have to be careful of. And this is something that we just have to monitor. 
all right, in our lives. I'm not saying that we walk in this, but I'm saying watch out for these things. Jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, lying. These are deadly fats. These are deadly fats. This is what these things produce. When we're in an environment where there is chaos going on, and a lot of times we can get thrown into, pushed into these mindsets of jealousy or self-ambition, looking out for myself, boasting about what I did. Maybe you're in a work environment where you're constantly getting overlooked. And you're like, God is, you know, you're, you're, you're being used and you're doing extra. You're showing up early and staying late and nobody seems to notice you. But the guys that are getting noticed are the ones who are slackers. Or, or you're in a position where you're, you're just working hard, but you, you seem to be unnoticed. And the temptation to be like, oh, I'd just like to send a well-worked email to my boss and just let him know that I'm doing all the work. I would like to take a video of these guys sleeping or goofing around on the job and show them what I'm doing. Listen, don't. Why? Because God sees you. God sees you. It is God who promotes you. If you need a reminder of that, look at the story of Joseph. I'm not going to go into it, but consider him and say it is God who sees you and ordains your steps and continue to be faithful and continue to hold on to promises. He will rearrange whatever he needs to rearrange to get you to where he has called you to be. Don't lie. Don't lie. If you made a mistake, repent. There's forgiveness when we do that. Why? Because this is what it produces. The Bible says it has this trickle-down effect. It starts with earthly wisdom. Is that eventually we begin to try to fix ourselves within our own understanding. That leads to unspiritual wisdom, which is wisdom that is not rooted in the Spirit. And if it's not rooted in the Spirit, it's rooted in the world. Then it goes one step further and says this. Then it just gets demonic. In our life, when we choose to live according to peace and allow the Holy Spirit to set the atmosphere of peace around us, we have to be careful to hold on to these things. Why? Because they produce something. So when that happens in our life, what's the cure? Again, the same thing. We have to recognize these things. Allow the Holy Spirit to help us. The thing that we can't do is justify our behavior when we know it's sinful. Listen to me in great gentleness, please. Don't justify your behavior if if what you're doing is not attached to the Holy Spirit, attached to the Word of God or what He's called you to. Don't justify your behavior out of any reason because why? What does it produce? Earthly wisdom that leads to unspiritual wisdom that will lead to demonic things. Now let me stop and clarify something very clearly to you. When the Scripture says demonic things, it's not talking about a demon inhabiting you or somebody else. That is not what the Scripture is saying. But some of you have been in demonic environments where there is no, not a sliver of anything peaceful or calm, but it is crazy and chaotic and just filled with junk and garbage. And if you've ever asked yourself, how does that happen? The Scripture defines it. What happens is these things that God tries to root out of us and allows us to, brings us to, and lets us recognize, if we choose not to justify, Instead, repent of them. He heals us. He puts the right things in us. And we break the cycle that goes from earthly wisdom to unspiritual wisdom to demonic 
activity. It's a scripture. But we can break that. You see, that pattern's there, but we can break that. So let's talk about how we break that. How do we renew our perspective to God's understanding of peace? The way it's defined in these scriptures, Justin, come on up, man. Is that it's called wisdom. And it says, wisdom is this. The wisdom of peace is this. First, it's pure. And if you're in an environment, whether again, it's your home or your workplace, or whatever environment it might be, what it means to be pure is this, is to think the best. To think the best. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see the best in the people that you're around, the best in your spouse, the best in your children, the best in your coworkers, the best in your boss. You might even pray something like this, God, even though right now they're a knucklehead, bless their heart. I ask you to give me eyes to see them the way you do because I know to you they're beloved. That you created them with a purpose. And we have to renew our, 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 our mind to this to take on the wisdom of heaven and begin to see this as pure. The second thing is peaceable. And it means this, the people who love peace, but not, not just in a normal way. We don't just love peaceful things. We don't just love horror movies. What, we, what it means is this, is people who fight for peace by speaking peace and thinking peace. In the same way that you might feel like there's everything coming against you, raging against you that is breaking down peace, you need to carve out an area of peace in your home or your workplace and begin to fight for peace. You might work in a cubicle and you might say or a small office and you're going to say, God, even though everything out here is, is just raging, this little area right here is going to be a place of peace. You might walk, parents, you might walk into your home and say, listen, there hasn't been peace in here in a long time. And this is what I want you to do. If you agree with this today, I want you and your husband, you and your wife to grab each other's hands and I want you to put your hands on your couch the places in your living room and say, in the name of Jesus, this is going to be a place of peace. And then make a commitment that in this area, only peace is going to be spoken. For a season, you might need to go into the, your bedroom and cuss and spit into your pillow. I don't know. But you start carving out an area of peace. You've got to begin to fight for peace. Then it goes on and says, gentle. And this is what gentleness means. And I want to tell you something. This is not something... our. Mm. Our culture is actively working against this. There is going to be a showdown. There's going to be a showdown in the church. God is going to shake the fire out of the church. I'm telling you. We are either going to concede to His Word... Or it's going to be hard. And his word says this, that if you desire peace, you have to be gentle. And the word gentleness means this, to be fair, mild, equitable, which means impartial. 
I'm, I'm going to leave that right there. And then the next one is a, is a really confusing thing, and it's only used one time in this passage in James 3. And it says this, open to reason. And this one's going to kind of be, be a challenging one for some of us. It's a challenging one sometimes for me. It means this. The best way to describe this word, it's one word in the Greek that's open to reason. It means to go with the flow. I'm, I'm not lying. Look it up. Blueletterbible.org if you don't believe me. I mean, seriously. And here's the thing. The best way I can describe this is this. Is that sometimes in our life, we choose the absolute wrong things to get stubborn and opinionated about. We get stubborn and opinionated about just things that are unconsequential. You know, they're just, they don't mean anything. Right? They don't count for anything. There's no real win in them except for somebody hearing our voice. And we think somehow that's making a difference. And the reality is this, it's stealing your peace. Because you don't leave that argument on a, on a message after you push send. That stays in your thought life. And you fight with it, and then you go back and you check a response. And then you fight with that response, don't you? And reality is this, and sometimes in your, in your families, in your marriages, right, sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Sometimes you have to prefer somebody. Sometimes you have to lay down your desires and your plans. Oh, I, I could tell you stories about my home. I want to tell you something. I won for 20 plus years consecutively in, the row, in a row in my marriage the Stubbornness Award. Ranch champ. Because of things that I'll dig my heels into that, that oh, you, can I tell y'all something? Just you, Hopefully you laugh. You don't think less of me. Kim and I's first fight when we were engaged happened in Sealy, Texas at an outlet mall. I was working at John Hagee's church. I was driving back and forth. I would stay with Kim until 5 in the morning. I would stay at her house till 5 in the morning and then drive all the way back to San Antonio to be at work at John Hagee's church by 8 a.m. because I, I loved her and I didn't want to, I wanted to spend every second I could. But we stopped one time in Sealy and we got out and we were looking at, we were looking at China. We were looking at freaking plates and, and cups and stuff. <laughs> and we fought over plates. I fought over plates. Do you know what? I, I don't even care what I eat off nowadays. I pick stuff off the floor and eat it. And I'm like, no, I don't like that China. There, we've never been to China, and there's been no China in our house. But why do we do that? Why do we do that? And thanks be to God, He gives us in His Word where He says, go with the flow if you want peace. Hey, slow down. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Pump the brakes and go, oh, is this really that big of a deal? No. There have been times in my relationship 
with my wife that I've gotten upset with her for maybe a few days because of a decision where to eat. That's dumb. That's stupid. Stop it. Stop it. And some of you might be mad at your spouses or your kids, and you don't even know why anymore. You're just, like, stuck. Just stop and say, God, hit the refresh button in in our relationships and help me to go with the flow. God, help me not to take myself so seriously. Help me not to think my opinion is the only opinion that matters. God, don't let me dig in my heels. Oh, there's so much I can say about that. It goes on and says this, full of mercy and good fruits. This is powerful. If you're dealing with anybody in an environment that it, you're trying to create peace that doesn't know the Lord. Hmm. Maybe somebody's wayward. This is what the scripture says. The Holy Spirit asks us to anchor to. Because this particular mercy speaks directly toward those who are broken and apart from God. And God says this, have mercy on them. Remember when you were far from me. Bear the fruit of peace that speaks of my mercy. Bear the fruit of peace that speaks to the full mercy of God in your life. Remember the day when you were far from God and He saved you by His grace. That somebody or God Himself saw you differently and He, in His loving mercy sent somebody or you heard the Word out of faithfulness and it drew your heart to God. And listen, even if you're like me and you grew up in the church and maybe this seems a little distant from you and you, you have trouble remembering that day when you were far from God. I gave my life to Jesus when somewhere between three and five, right? I didn't have a whole lot of time to sin. But you know what? I'm thankful. I'm thankful that somebody, a Methodist preacher, I'm thankful that a Methodist preacher didn't sell out and he gave his life fully to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come in. And my mom and dad got radically saved. And I'm thankful for that day of grace that led to my day of grace that led to my children's day of grace. And I can't ever forget that day of grace. And I have to be renewed constantly in that so that I can have mercy and see and see and treat others with mercy. And then finally, be impartial and and sincere. And here's what the Scripture says here is just be consistent. If you want peace, be consistent. Be consistent with each person. Maybe there's a child that's difficult to love in your home. Be consistent. Be consistent. Maybe there's somebody in the workplace that's that problem person. Be consistent. I love this. See, this right here challenges me. This right here says this to me, God, in order to see peace, I have to let your love operate in me in a radical way so that I, I, don't, I don't just go to the people I like, but I, I go to everybody and I treat them all the same. See, these things stretch us 
And to be sincere means this, is that you can't just be this on your good days. You have to be this every day. The Holy Spirit will help you. He will help you. And the promise is there. And a harvest of righteousness is sown. Peace for those who make peace. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God will create an environment of peace around you through the obedience that you hold on to when you hold on to Him. He will do it. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? We're going to close this morning by taking communion together. I should say that more properly. I'm sorry. Having a time of communion. If I can have the, some of the ushers come and prepare the tables. And here's what I want to do. Is that after we take communion, if you have something that is heavy on your heart or you want peace, you need peace, there's going to be some ministry folks up here that will, will pray with you. And I want to come in agreement with you and believe that God will bring peace both in you and through you. Both in you and through you. That He'll establish that peace in you. Some of you I know have been fighting a long battle with this. That there have been things that you feel have been stacked against you. Or you've been in environments that have been strenuous for a very long time. But I want to tell you something. There is a place of hope here. There is a place of hope here. And if anything, you need to come and have a point of contact with your hope to say, I want hope renewed in me. To hold on to the Word of God. To see peace both in me and through me. And maybe what's, what's hitting your peace, what's coming against your peace, whether it's something that's coming against you, you personally, something physical, or something that you're walking, you need somebody to agree with you, then this morning, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you even, to say, make a point of contact up here, pray with somebody, or kneel down and begin to, to have a time sincerely before the Lord, and say, God, I want to I want to set something in my life that I begin to cling on harder to your word, that I, I cast this to you and I take in your promises. Maybe there's a situation that you're walking in or you're in the middle of and you can't see for yourself and you need somebody to just, just grab you, hold on to you and say, we're going to fight for peace with you. We want to do that this morning. We want to do that. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Father, I just bless, Lord, every one of these people with the grace of your peace, the peace of God that surpasses both our understanding, that guards our, our heart and our mind, that calms the thoughts that rage within our, our mind and it stills, Lord, the weariness and the unsettledness of our heart. Jesus, I pray that you become that peace to every person. And as we, we come to the table and we remember, Jesus, what you did for us, that you yourself became our peace through your broken body and your shed blood. Lord, we put our trust in you again today afresh. We thank you for that beautiful gift, Jesus. Amen. Please come to the table now.